welcome to episode three of Cadence. On this episode, I'm joined by Karen Bard. Karen is the artistic director of Luminous String Quartet. This group takes different genres of music like rock and pop and arranges it as classical music. Currently, Karen and Luminous String Quartet are arranging Canadian classic rock songs and an album of these arrangements will be out in April 2019. This episode is a little different because there were three pieces of music stretching across three different genres that have influenced Karen most. These are the work of Claude Debussy, Madonna's True Blue, and Harlequin's One False Move. In this episode, we cover all three of these pieces of music and how they have impacted Karen's music and her life. I hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening to episode three of Cadence. Hello and welcome to Cadence Podcast. Uh, I am joined today by Karen Barg. Karen, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So uh, on Cadence, we basically um, we, we break down one or a couple albums that have um, influenced you in your music or in your life or in any capacity, really. So you kind of gave me a, three, uh, a few um, different albums and different musical works mm-hmm. that have influenced you. Um, so I guess we'll start out with kind of the classical sides. So that's uh, Claude uh, Debussy. Um, so I guess we'll just start. Is there is there like one piece of work he did that has influenced you greatly, or is it just kind of his work in general? His work in general. Um, the the style of of uh, Claude Debussy is is very very colorful, and and when I listen to Claude Debussy, I right away start thinking about Monet paintings and how vibrant the colors are there, and and it just makes me start thinking about. Uh, music in terms of genres and how music is like color and that has different shades, different hues and and, and so it it breaks down really beautifully that way but uh, Claude Debussy is one of my absolute favorite composers just because of uh, the very uh, intricate uh, chord progressions that he uses and uh, yeah it's 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 just juicy that's Mm. that's what I get from it it's just really juicy chords and, and beautiful melodies. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so he'd be the kind of the, the, the biggest classical composer that has influenced your, is it through your music the most? It, yeah, say? well, influenced me in, in terms of where I am right now. But mm-hmm. if we were talking about favorite composer, well, that's somebody different. That would mm-hmm. be Brahms. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. always an interesting topic to me where it's kind of like, um, you know, things could be your favorite, but there could also be something that influences you more but isn't yes. necessarily you enjoy more it's just it influences your work Debussy has influenced me with my work but uh Brahms is is the ultimate for me in mm-hmm. terms of a violin concerto the the D uh, the D major is the pinnacle that's that's my Kilimanjaro that I have yet to climb so <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to have that that mm-hmm. kind of goal for sure yeah um, okay, so that's kind of how it, you know, the classical side that is that is influenced your work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of pop, um, you had said uh, Madonna's uh, Turn Blue album. So, True um, Blue. True Blue. Yeah. So then why so then why is this the kind of the pop side that is that's influenced you most? Uh, as a teenager when 
when that album came out, uh, there there were a number of songs on there that just really um, spoke to me personally, and and just showing uh, how a, a, a woman artist can be so strong and so independent, and and so that just really it, it spoke to me as a teen, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I mean, there, there obviously there are other female artists that would would speak to me as well, and I have to, I do have to mention Lee Aaron because she is a Canadian artist, and and uh, and she's she's done incredible stuff as well. But with Madonna, that that just, I don't know, it just it it, it just embodied a whole bunch of things that I, I was feeling at that time, and to the point where I at school I did a lip sync of Papa Don't Preach, so and I dressed up like her yes. and I was the, the, with the mole and everything, and it was it was quite a quite a fun experience. On <laughs> That's that awesome. <laughs> and I, you know, on that on that record, there's there seems to be a lot of you know mature song topics as well. Like even on Papa Don't Preach, mm-hmm. it's all about you know teenage pregnancy and that kind of exactly. thing. Exactly, and, and, and I, that was happening at that time. Mm-hmm. There were there were there was one one girl in our school who had become pregnant and and it was it was a, a very difficult time for for the school because I was attending Westgate Mennonite Collegiate and mm-hmm. so you know the, the the part of faith and and how we're brought up and 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 that kind of thing came into play and so it was it was difficult for a lot of the students to to try and wrap their head around just because of you know what we were brought up to believe and what was actually happening so but but that album actually has so many different styles as well, which also spoke to me because it was just pop music isn't just one way. It it can embody you know a fifties style, or it can embody a little a little bit of classical music. Like the beginning of Papa Don't Preach has a string quartet, which I have a string quartet. Yeah. So that kind of spoke to me too because I was I was starting to that was when I was starting to play string quartet. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, so. So why did because I think this was Madonna's like third third or fourth album somewhere in there. Um, mm-hmm. So wh- why was this the one that kind of hit you more? Was it just kind of more songs that you listened to at the time, and it was just kind of right place, right time? Right place, right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it was it was a great album. I really enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you know, besides something like Papa Don't Preach, were there specific other kind of tracks that hit you a lot on that album? Well, the or? title track, True Blue. Yeah. Was had a bit, little bit of a '50s style to it, which which I I really like '50s music as well. I, I like a lot of different genres mm-hmm. of music. It's so important for a musician to expand their their musical tastes and 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 respect all the different kinds of genres and styles that are out there. And if, if we just focus on the one thing, like I, I do have some friends that are very much into the classical, and it's just classical that they listen to. And I think, well. You know, it's there's so much more out there, and even if you don't really like the style of music, at least find something to to respect from the from the music, either a riff or a hook mm-hmm. or a bass line or a or an incredible drum solo or drum fill. You know that mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Like there there's there's a lot out there that is just incredible, and mm-hmm. so yeah. Yeah, and I I think people just become kind of you know stuck with what they like, yeah, and they, they just they kind of stick complacent. to that. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, and I think it's it's also the thing of every generation thinks that the new group of music like is bad and it's never going to be as good as you know. We'll never be. Oh yeah, Beatles you know you're getting older thing. when you start listening to <laughs> the music of today and you're like, oh, oh come on, people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think kind of every generation had its really good music and kind of it's not so good music. And I exactly. Think, yeah, and I, and it's it's also kind of interesting I think in the streaming age as well where it's just there's 
you can listen to anything at any time. Whereas yeah, before, but it's almost sensory overload these days. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of oversaturation. Which is probably sure. why I enjoy sticking to my classic rock a little bit. Yeah, more. no, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why it's important to still go out and, you know, support those artists, you know, while they Well, hey, Harlequin's playing tonight at Nashville. There you I'm, go. I'm there. Yeah, that, I'm there. That'd be a great show. And then speaking of Harlequin. Segway. Good segue, good segue. <laughs> You're the, the kind of the rock because, you know, in your string quartet, you play, you know, pop music, rock music. So mm-hmm. that's why you have all these different kind of influences and in different genres, which is great. So in the rock aspect, um, it was Harlequin, One False Move album. Yes. So I, I guess the same thing. Why, you know, why did that one impact you so much in your music or, or as, whatever else? As a kid, when, when that album came out, I think I was probably around 11 or 12. And uh, my brother had purchased the album and he was playing it and I could hear him with his door closed. He's listening to the album and I thought, oh, wow, there's some really great music. And he would never let me listen to his records. So I always had to wait until he was gone so I could sneak into his room, pick up the record and start playing it. And the song Superstitious Feeling just really caught me. It was, it was just, it's, it's so mysterious and, and just incredible opening with the, with the keyboards. And, and that brings me to to where I am today. Uh, last year, uh, we had our first uh, classic rock fest at Shaw Park, and that included Pumps and Orphan, Harlequin, Honeymoon Suite, and Streetheart. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. Kenny Shields had passed away, mm-hmm. so it ended up being a tribute to Kenny, which was really wonderful. It, you could feel the love in that place mm-hmm. at that time. And um, after leaving the concert, and my ears are still ringing and driving home, and I looked at my husband, Mark, and I said, hey, what do you think? Canadian classic rock for string quartet. And he looked at me and says, you think you can do it? I said, yeah, let's try this. And so the very first uh, arrangement that I was doing was actually I Did It For Love by Harlequin because I could hear, just by listening to the actual track, I could hear all the diff- all, all the four voices and what they would be doing and who would be taking the drum fills and who would be taking the bass line and who would be taking the, the rhythm guitar and who would be taking the melody and, and all of those types of things. And I thought, yeah, let's let's give this a go. And, and at the same time, I was also working on Miracle by Pumps and Orphan. And, uh, and then I decided, no, it's time to let these guys know what's going on. So I've been in contact with uh, Chris Burke Gaffney and with George Belanger and Glenn Willows, who wrote the piece. I wrote the song and they were taken aback and said go for it let's see what happens and uh when george heard my arrangement that i had done i did it for love he says oh i thought you're going to slow have you were going to slow it down and classicalifies it and i said no 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 george it's got to cook <laughs> exactly. it, it, it rocks so we, yeah. we got it we got to do it just like as close to the original as possible mm-hmm. so so that's where harlequin really made an impact uh, in my life for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, whoops. There, there goes my alarm for get out of my computer chair and start walking around. 
get another coffee. It's important to learn, learn to have, yeah. Like, if you notice, that was Metallica starting. So that... <laughs> Another influence. Yeah, that's, you know, it's interesting because you wouldn't, you really think like when you think rock and like rock fans, it's not really like, you know, classical, you know, it's, mm. you wouldn't think there's much of a crossover, but if you actually like listen to, you know, the guitars, the drums, the bass, then the vocals. Exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. interesting with pop too. Yeah. So. Well, in, in this day and age, what people, people have been taking classical music and, and rockifying it, if, mm-hmm. if you will. And nobody has taken rock music and put it into a classical format. And actually, George had said after, like, of course, I'm doing this compilation of Canadian classic rock for string quartet now. Mm -hmm. And uh, George has now challenged me to create an actual classical version of one of Harlequin's songs. So after this compilation is finished, I'm I'm taking the challenge. I'm going to see what I can do. I'm going to take one of the songs from One False Move and... Yeah, and, that'd be uh, super cool. See what I could do with it. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So that'd be super cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So is, is there like a favorite kind of genre to to classify? Classic classify? <laughs> or are do you, like classic rock for me is late seventies, eighties mm-hmm. for me. Um I think like my brother, like I here we go back to my brother Daryl again. Um he had a huge, huge uh, affectionado for, for The Who when mm-hmm. he was in his mid to late teens. And he even had one of those muscle shirts that was a Union Jack, which was really cool. He used to wear that quite a bit. And I started listening to The Who as well and to Rush. Um, like these were my brother's influences. He was listening to them, but because he's listening to them, I was listening to them by osmosis, right, through the walls. And becoming very, very attached to some of this music to the point where, yeah, I'm, I'm all about the Who. I, if, if, if we're talking about bands from the UK, the Who is actually the pinnacle for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, my husband and I went to see them when they were here a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and oh man, that was probably without a doubt. We both agree that that was the best concert we've ever been to. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're Absolutely. awesome. They were, yeah. yeah, such a talented band for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and would you, would you, cons- you know, you're doing the cl- Canadian classic rock mm-hmm. movement right now. You know, it's interesting because there's so much. Like, I feel like you can, you, know, you can go on forever if you, if, you know, even just yeah. if you. Would you ever consider branching out of even just the Canadian and maybe doing like a British invasion thing? Like Canadian makes most sense because maybe it's most later on. But yeah. I mean, there. If you think about it, like the two cellos and Vitamin String Quartet and and another quartet called Bond, they've done an awful lot of uh, uh, pop and rock music already. Mm-hmm. And they've sort of focused more on the the American content or the Americanized content. Like, I mean, ACDC is from Australia and The Who is from, you know, the UK or, or even Coldplay from the UK. But nobody has been focusing on Canadian content specifically. And uh, when I started working on the project and, and eventually I connected with Jeff Neal of Streetheart, and he said to me, he says, well, what are you going to do with this? And I had originally thought, oh, maybe I'll just publish the arrangements that I'm doing. He says, no, 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 you need to record. You need to record this, Karen, you need to do a show. Then you need to do a show, record and do a show. Okay, so I had to <laughs> go back to the drawing board and think about what I wanted to do. And sure enough, that that just felt like that was the right thing to do. So uh, we've got uh, 10 songs that are already arranged. Uh, there's two more that are in the fire and I'm hoping to finish them before the end of the month mm-hmm. uh, to have a, a, 12, a 12 song 
CD and we're going to go into the recording studio in January and and CD release is on April 5th of next year at the concert hall in the lobby and like just it's it's very exciting Mm -hmm. I have to pinch myself every morning (laughs) to make sure that this is real so for sure yeah well it's, it's amazing it's always important to narrow in on that very you know specific market and and I think you know Canada does have a lot of great classic rock bands that Absolutely. I don't think people really dive too deep into. Well, no, I mean, I mean, classic rock is, is, is very generalized. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, whether or not it's a harder rock or it's a more of a pop style of rock. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've, I've delved into obviously Harlequin, Street Heart, Honeymoon Suite, Pumps and Orphan, um, Trooper, of course, uh, Hey, you know, you, you can't get to, you know, be, be at a Canadian event so without true. hearing Raise a Little Hell. Exactly. That is a, that's a requirement almost, yeah. right? Yeah. And so uh, to be connected with Ron McGuire and have him tell me how much he enjoyed what I did. And, uh, and he's going to be promoting on, on their social media, which just threw me for a loop. Um, doing a Rush tune, Brian Adams. Um, uh, Neil Young mm-hmm. want to do uh, a Neil Young tune as well, and uh, so yeah, there, it's 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 going to be endless, a, a mishmash yeah. of uh, Canadian classic rock, but it's got to be Canadian at this point because yeah. nobody's focusing on that. Yeah, and that's where Jeff had said you're filling a void that needs to be filled, mm-hmm. and Howard Manshine also said the same thing. So mm-hmm. I know I'm on the right track when, when some of the, the big wigs are saying, go for it. You got to mm-hmm. do this. Yeah. And I think it'll, it'll really, you know, um, hit a lot of people who grew up listening to Harlequin and all these Canadian classic rock bands, seeing them live. Exactly. I think it'll really help to bring A, back that nostalgia and B, kind of see it in a different way. It's classical. And I think a lot of these people, mm-hmm. I might be generalizing, but I don't know if <clears throat> a lot of these Canadian classic rock fans from the 80s really know a lot about classical music or really listen to a lot of classical music. Well, exactly. So doing it in this kind of relatable way so they they know it, but they they know in a different way. Well, I mean, the two cellos have really helped this kind of style to come come together just because, you know, the two two cellos playing, you know, classical instruments playing rock. Mm -hmm. Howard talked about one morning on the Sunday Morning Resurrection. That's when I thought, yeah, I got to talk to Howard about this. And uh, so they sort of paved the way uh, a little bit more in terms of an international stream. So, like, the two cellos are known worldwide. Mm-hmm. Vitamin String Quartet, not quite so much. They're more American. Um, but the two cellos have really opened it up. And and so I think uh, be, just because of their uh, their success, I think that this is where we can continue on in, in the same vein, but sticking to the Canadian mm-hmm. content because there's so much out there. Yeah, there is. And and it's and it's too important. And and plus, you know, down the road if, if the bands wanna, you know, shake things up a little bit, they could, you know, they can say, Hey Karen, you know, can you rearrange that that, that song and uh, and we'll have the, the, our singer singing it. So then it it just ha- you know, it's a, a different way of of portraying that song. Mm-hmm. And so it, it gives them another another level. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, are there a lot of differences between arranging like classic rock or like pop or these kind of different genres or is it kind of the same it, mindset? It, it's kind of the main, same mindset because I mean you're, with with music these days it's it's so incredibly overproduced and so mm. you you're thinking about <clears throat> pardon me you're thinking about the drums, the bass, the rhythm guitar, the lead guitar, the keys, the backup vocals, the, the lead vocals, and then any other little bits and pieces that make. Um, make a song 
that special, you know, with the riff, the hook, the pitch bends, the, all, all of those things. And, and then trying to decipher which voice is going to get which part, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 it's exactly the same, but it's definitely a string quartet that needs to play it because any, any less voice than that, it, you just, you're, you're not able to, to complete the, the chord progressions some of them are, as I, as I said about Debussy, it's juicy, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we need some of those, some of those chords to really make it, to make it uh, sound like the original. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And rock, I think has, I don't know, I think a lot more different instrumentation than mm-hmm. some of the pop does just cause it's, yeah, you know, the pop's a lot overproduced sometimes and whatnot. Yeah. And some of the pop is also, uh, forgive me for saying, uh, is a little bit boring mm-hmm. because I, I had um, a bride asked me to arrange Beyonce's XO for mm-hmm. her. And the viola has one note throughout the whole song. Yeah. And the second violin has the same progression within two bars throughout the whole song. The only interesting part happens in the cello because the cello becomes the rhythm. Uh, because it's combined, combining the bass and the drums, basically. And then the vi- first violin, I put the melody in there, and then that's where it all comes together. But, but my second violinists and, and, and violists, they, they say to me, can we not play this one? Yeah. Can we not play this one? Because it, it's just so boring. I said, well, think about your cellist when he has to play the canon in D by Pachelbel. It's the same eight bars 52 times, you know? Like, it's... <laughs> Bachabell was the the original one hit wonder, I mm. tell you. Yeah. But but yeah, it's, um, I, I find that um, rock music uh, has has more layers to it than than pop music mm-hmm. in in this day and age for sure. Yeah, I think so too. I think pop has kind of hit that. I don't know. It's just how, how, what more can you do besides you know enticing people with the lyrics? I think. I think yeah. that's why. Going back to Madonna's record, I think that's why that's such an important pop staple. Absolutely. Because of all the different themes and, mm-hmm. and the instrumentation. Because, yeah. yeah, and she t- doesn't sing just one or two notes. Yeah, she actually exactly. She has a range yeah. of, you know, mm-hmm. she has a vocal range that yeah. she uses, and it's much better that way, I yeah. think. But but maybe I'm old. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And I think that's I think that's the issue with a lot of top forty pop. Now I'm starting to sound like, <laughs> but like top forty pop. I think it's just it's it's a lot of it's just kind of the same formula, and they just kind of you know. Yeah. Even bands like Imagine Dragons are like you know they're fine, but it's just they're not. I don't know pushing anything. I like I like experimentation. I like when artists try stuff that might not work, but at least they tried it instead exactly. of just doing the same. Yeah. But I guess it's easy to say when, you know, I'm not making that kind of money. Well, to this put out is also those. true. I mean, I did I did arrange um, Radioactive. Okay. By yeah. Imagine Dragons. Yeah. And I have to say, it's a much more interesting uh, arrangement mm-hmm. than Beyonce's XO. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Because sure. there's a lot more going on. More more layers that mm-hmm. are happening in it. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but Coldplay has like, I, I really do like Coldplay, mm-hmm. just because of of the different layers that they have, and and they do use some really jazzy chord progressions, and 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 it's just it's gorgeous, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Everglow is probably one of my favorite songs, mm-hmm. and I've arranged that one. I arranged that one, I think, uh, two years ago, when I first heard the song. I thought, nope, I want it, I need it. So I started to arrange it, and I've had a number of clients, wedding clients, request it for either walking in for the processional or for the signing of the register or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they just they love the fullness of the sound. Yeah, yeah, Coldplay's 
you know, even since I was a kid now, they've been around for a long time. They've always kind of been one of those pop staples in the 21st century for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So have any of these works kind of impacted your life in in other ways other than music? Like I know you were talking about Madonna Mm -hmm. growing up. It it related to you a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, does Harlequin or um, Debussy kind of do the same thing? Or is it is it more just as a, as a musician, you know? As a, you like I think it's more as a musician because yeah. I mean, the, like I said, I mean we've we've already covered in a whole bunch of different genres and yeah. bands and styles and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's if if it gives me chills, then I know there's there's something special about it. Mm-hmm. And Debussy, without a doubt, every time gives me gives me chills. Mm-hmm. And and the first time I ever played a Debussy piece was with the Mennonite Community Orchestra way back in the late 80s and uh and we were playing uh the prelude to the afternoon of a fawn and it's just so gorgeous and i know like really honestly the string sections all all we're doing is just shimmery type stuff and 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 it's always the woodwinds that get the the really juicy melodies and 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 uh and the beautiful lines and everything but it's it's just it's incredible music and when you have the have it on headphones and you're listening Mm -hmm. to it and it just transports you and like I said, I see Monet paintings in my brain. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it, it transports you. Yeah. Music ju- in, in general just transports you. Mm-hmm. It does. Mm-hmm. And for sure, like you can, if you listen to a record for the first time and you're doing something very specific mm-hmm. and you go back, it can, yeah, it's Well, it's Miracle by Pumps and Orphan actually does transport me back to the age of 12. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I remember the, the feeling, the, the, the feeling, the taste, the smells, the yeah. what's what was happening in my brain, all of those things. Are, are very prevalent mm. when I listen to that song. Yeah, it's crazy. And you can know you can know a song for a while and then have a different connection to it and then it just mm. changes it. Like it's, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So right now, obviously you're focusing on the, you know, your group is focusing on the classic rock, Canadian mm-hmm. classic rock. Um, do you have any ideas of what you might want to do after that? Or is it just kind of, that's Powerful the focus? Powerful Canadian women. Yeah, that'd yeah, be really I good. Yeah, I think that that is definitely going to be one of, uh, one of the next compilations. Yeah. So yeah. what kind of artist do you think you'd focus oh. in on? There's a lot. Alanis Morissette. Yeah. Shania Twain, Celine Dion. Uh, of course, the band's Headpins, Toronto, um, Anne Murray, Joni mm-hmm. Mitchell. Like, mm-hmm. it, it will be quite a, a, a um, an eclectic mix of different styles and genres for that particular album. But it, there's going to be something for everybody on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And, and we'll see where I go from there. I mean, who knows? Maybe there's going to be another Canadian classic rock number two, volume two. Yeah, because I'm <laughs> sure so much. you'd have 20 volumes. And, oh, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. true. Yeah, I guess it all just depends on, you know, reaction to it and everything. But yeah, that'd be really cool. Well, Howard Manshine had asked me, he says, Karen, where do you think this is all going to go? And I said, honestly, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I said it could be a passing fa- a passing fa- fad or, or phase or whatever. Um, or something could happen with this. I have no idea. And he says, well, what are you going to do once the first compilation's finished? I must start number two. And he says, why? Because I want it. <laughs> yeah, why not? That's, that's why. Because it's, it's a passion for me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very passionate about what I do and, and, and this arranging business. And, and um, he looked at me. He says, well, I think it's going to explode. And I went, well, to your li- from your lips to God's ears, but let's not put the cart before the horse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's taking a lot to keep my feet planted firmly on the for ground sure. about all of this it's yeah. it's pretty overwhelming but i'm feeling pretty blessed about it all mm-hmm. I, I, just, I feel like i'm doing what i was supposed to be what i'm supposed to be doing now yeah which is great yeah. 
I think it's just such an interesting way to, yeah, again, bring classical music to people who might just not have listened to classical music or really dive, you know, dove Mm -hmm. into it. So to listen to something that they know and love and love for years in this kind of arrangement, that could, you know, them then make them want to go and listen to some of the classical composers and whatnot. Exactly. And bring it more right to them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my humble beginnings as a, as a violinist in the Suzuki program here in Winnipeg uh, at the age of four, and the Suzuki method deals with ear training first. So it's a mother tongue approach. You, you, you mimic what you hear and you continuously use it and use it over and over and over again. And, and then uh, you learn to read music a little bit later. And I'm, it's all, all come full circle. I'm a Suzuki teacher myself now. Mm. And, um, and I, it, it was only a couple months ago that I realized that, that really that I've been training to do all of this arranging since that time and having this ear training and and then as a teen listening to songs on the radio and and then running over to the piano and, and trying to figure it out and doing it in the exact same key and making it sound as close to the original as possible and 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 then bringing it all down to where I am now and where I am today because a lot of the Canadian content is not notated mm-hmm. there's no piano music there's no, there's maybe chord charts or things like that, but that doesn't give you the notation mm-hmm. and, and the rhythms and all of those things. So that's where all of this has come full circle and I'm doing an awful lot of listening and making sure I can hear everything. So I'm, so for this day and age, I'm so happy about these apps that can slow music down <laughs> so I can hear all the intricacies yeah. of, of each song that I'm doing. So mm-hmm. yeah. That's but true. Uh, but yeah, big shout out to the Suzuki program here in Winnipeg because honestly, that's that's where it really started. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's funny you say that because I think I, I think there was a you know I used to play drums and I think there was something just fun about like listening to it and then trying to like play it exactly just from here even if you didn't have all the you know the music in front of you yeah and yeah. then when you got it or like got a piece it's like oh i remember like when i nailed the phil collins in the air tonight oh yes trail. oh yes i was like Iconic so proud of myself I'm like, I, yeah brilliant yeah absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. i think that that's a favorite of a lot of people oh yeah for sure that drum fill yeah yeah so i think just hearing it from 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 ear and then going right to it and trying to do it is interesting so that's kind of what got you into playing music was you know hearing songs and then wanted to replicate them? Well, before I even started taking lessons, my, my sister and my brother were taking piano lessons mm-hmm. and they'd practice. And then I'd go and sit down at the piano and start playing their pieces without having a lesson. And my mom thought, sibling <laughs> rivalry is going to happen. <laughs> we better get this kid into something else. And, and so I, I, have, I, I did have a natural ability with ear training, but, but um, my mom was thinking, now how can we further this how can we build on this and the suzuki program was the most natural progression so she thought okay let's get her on a different instrument and i had no choice i was told mm-hmm. i was playing violin i went okay yeah and you, just right. always, you always liked it from the start yes and no <laughs> yeah well i guess there's there's that learning curve i i hate to... practicing oh i hate practicing but but i love the results and that's and that's why i do it probably the hardest thing about practicing is just taking taking the cover off the violin that's the yeah, hardest part it's true and but once i get into it um wonderful things start happening or horrible things start <laughs> happening and i know i need to practice this particular spot or whatever but um but i'm honest with my students about it i mean some of the some of the parents say to me well what do you do you know you you probably love practicing no i hate it 
Mm-hmm. I hate it more than all my students put together. And they don't believe me, but I, I, I'm very honest with them about it. I said, it's just a matter of getting into it. Once you're into it and you hear a difference, you hear results, you know, then, then it makes it all, all much better. And, and then you, you start growing mm-hmm. as a musician and as a, as a person too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that is a grind, you know, the, the practicing. And I think that's the case with athletes, whatever else. Mm. It's the practicing, you know, the not the playing discipline. the games. Yeah, it is. It's the discipline of it. Yeah. But I find that when I when I need to arrange something, there's there's no need to, to focus on the discipline of getting in there and doing it. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no. I, I'm so excited about it. I am on the computer. I'm working constantly. Mm-hmm. There, there have been some days where I've been doing about 14, 16 hours of... <laughs> Just constant arranging because I'm so excited about what's coming out, mm-hmm. the for results. Sure. Well, Karen, thank you very much for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much It was much great to me. hear about your different influences and how it's affecting your music today. And be sure to check out the Classic Rock compilation, the Canadian Classic Rock compilation. Yeah, it'll be really the CD is dropping on a- April 5th. We are at the concert hall in the lobby. Uh, the tickets will go on sale at some point. And uh, there's still there's still a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff to do mm-hmm. and mechanical licenses to get and all those types of things. And mm-hmm. But uh, but things are going to be happening. So we'll see what happens when we get closer to the date and who's going to be involved and all those types mm-hmm. of things. So stay tuned. For sure. Look out for it. Mm, excellent. <laughs> Thank you again. Thanks, Jonathan. I want to say a big thank you to Karen for joining me on today's episode, and thank you all for listening. Be sure to keep a lookout for that Canadian classic rock album that Luminous String Quartet is putting out in 2019. Cadence will be taking a bit of a break in December and returning with weekly episodes in January. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Cadence Podcast for more information on new episodes and other music news. I'm also going to be creating an Apple Music and Spotify playlist consisting of music that we've talked about and other music that's similar to it, so be sure to look out for that as well. Thank you so much again for tuning in today, and I hope you all have a happy holidays, and we'll see you in January.